Welcome to Reclaim Your Power, Inspiration and Reflections for Before, During and After Childbirth, a podcast about birth, getting in touch with our bodies and talking about things that aren't often discussed or that you may not find in mainstream sources of information, a podcast to transform the way you plan for and approach birth, moving from fear and uncertainty to empowerment and inspiration. My name is Fungisai, which means to remind, and that's what I aim to do here, remind you that the power lies within you and that it all starts with you. When I decided to do this podcast, I thought of all the topics that were important to reflect on, things that I wish I'd known about when I was pregnant or before I felt pregnant, things that I only learned about from experience and that I wondered why no one spoke much about. Some of these things I discovered as I started to explore a bit more and moved away from the standard books I'd bought and read on pregnancy and birth. Others I learned about once I started training to be a doula and was introduced to writers who presented topics I didn't know about. And some of the knowledge I gained was from personal experience. Loss is one of these. You hear about loss during pregnancy and birth, and by this I mean miscarriage or stillbirth. But somehow, These always seem to be far away, and we all assume or hope this will not happen to us. I think this is an understandable and naturally protective instinct. Of course, one feels some worry at certain points, depending on the state of your health or the symptoms you experience. But once we are past that first trimester, when we know that our baby has firmly established itself in our womb, then the worry recedes until we get closer to giving birth then the worry resurfaces again. Every mother remembers waking up to check on their newborn to make sure that he or she is all right, he or she is breathing. So loss is something that is with us during this time. Although in this age we live in, with so many medical advancements, it's something we don't necessarily want to face. If we look around at the natural world, there is birth, there is life, and there is death. It's a cycle of life. However, when death comes so early, as life is just beginning, it feels wrong and it's devastating. It would be remiss of me to not have an episode on this topic because it is important and because so many women have been through it and may have felt guilt or shame, may have felt that there is something wrong with them or that they did something wrong and they have not had the opportunity to share their experiences and receive comfort. Anyone who has watched any documentaries knows that life out in the natural world is harsh and we as humans are so lucky to have the knowledge, technology, medical expertise and all the other things we've invented and the power we have harnessed to be able to escape, at least in the richer parts of the world, from this harshness and prevent or limit things like maternal and child mortality. With us, it's not survival of the fittest but survival of those with most resources. I guess that counts as the fittest in the human world, but I won't go into a discussion about the injustices and the uneven distribution of wealth in our world. So, loss. It's an uncomfortable topic, and even deciding to write about this wasn't easy. At what point do I talk about this, I wondered. How do I present it? What do I have to offer here? What can I say on the topic? And all I could think of as with all of my episodes, was to share and reflect on my experiences. 
that maybe one day someone out there will listen and know they are not alone, that many women have been through this. It happens, but we just don't talk about it much because it's such a scary, painful topic. And it's every mother, every parent's worst nightmare to lose their child, no matter at what stage. So I'll start with me. Miscarriage was something I knew about, but not in much detail. I knew that a pregnancy can end early for whatever reason, which is why we are so careful about what we eat and drink during pregnancy, so as not to put the life of our babies at risk. My first pregnancy, as you remember, was a surprise, but despite a bout of spotting, which is light bleeding, early in the first trimester, it was relatively straightforward. Fast forward 13 years later, and my husband and I decided to have our first baby together. We'd been married for about five years when we started actively trying, and I stopped taking the pill. I thought because I'd been on contraception for quite some years, I'd be slow to fall pregnant. But it happened pretty quickly, and we were absolutely thrilled. I went around telling my friends and family once it was confirmed, I was so happy. Of course, I suffered from nausea and felt tired, but I knew this was a natural part of the process. I didn't feel good, but I still functioned. Then one day, in around the 11th week of my pregnancy, I went to the toilet and there was blood when I wiped. I was alarmed and told my husband, and then I immediately called my doctor. He asked me about the colour of the blood and I said it was dark brown, which means it was old blood, not fresh. He reassured me that this did not necessarily mean anything, as spotting was normal in pregnancy, but he would send me to the hospital for an ultrasound anyway, just to check everything was okay. We drove to the hospital, feeling nervous but hopeful. As far as I could remember, a miscarriage meant that it would have been fresh, bright red blood and there should be a lot of it. So I kept telling myself, it should be okay. We got to the hospital and were taken in by the doctor. I told her my symptoms and she set me up for an ultrasound. My husband and I both stared at the screen as a picture of my uterus came on and she started searching, looking for a heartbeat. I still remember this so clearly to this day, as she located a tiny being lying at the bottom of my uterus and said after moments of silence, I'm sorry, but I can't find a heartbeat. There was our tiny, perfectly formed baby, curled up, lifeless. It was like being in a nightmare. How could this be possible? When you had a miscarriage, didn't you bleed out? Our baby was still there. How was this possible? There must be a mistake. Up until that point, I didn't know, but it's something called a missed miscarriage. The fetus, or as I prefer to call it, baby, dies, but the mother's body doesn't for some reason register that there is no longer life, so the body is kept in the womb for some time. I would not have known anything was wrong if I hadn't had the spotting. We were stunned. And when we asked the doctor what had caused this, she couldn't tell us. She was not a very warm or sympathetic person and basically told us these things happen and they would schedule me for an operation where they would scrape everything out to clean up my uterus and then they could check. But usually it was hard at this early stage to tell what the problem was. She then said sorry and showed us to a separate room to be alone with our grief. I remember crying my heart out while my husband and I held each other. We were devastated. We had not expected our first pregnancy together to end like this. After some minutes, a nurse came in. She was very kind, unlike the doctor. 
told us what to do next, and then we drove home, tears still flowing. The next days were a haze of pain as I reached out to those I had told the good news to tell them the sad news. My family and friends rallied around to comfort us, and of course my husband and I talked through it and comforted each other. I also realized that although I got most of the sympathy and comfort as the one who had been pregnant, he had been hit just as hard. This was his first baby. So I did my best to be there for him, and we talked about it a lot, which was good. I wondered how I'd never heard of this term, missed miscarriage. So I went online to investigate, and during this process, I found a Facebook group of women who were in the process of having or had had a miscarriage. It was a godsend, and it helped me so much. Here we were, a group of women from all over the world, comforting each other, asking questions, giving each other answers, sending love and comfort. It made the world of difference to me during this dark time. I was not alone. As I shared about what happened to me with some people in my circle of friends, people started to tell me about their experiences. It had happened to many, but we just don't talk about it. I wonder why. Is it because we don't want to talk about the difficult things? We don't want to show our pain and vulnerability? Is it taboo to talk about death or loss when we're supposed to be experiencing a joyful event? I don't know the answer. All I know is that having that Facebook group of women, being comforted and being able to extend my comfort to others really helped me cope with the loss. Yes, it was only 11 weeks old and still minuscule, but for us it was a life. It was our child and it hurt. And even as I share this now, I still feel the pain, the loss. I was admitted into hospital to get everything cleaned out. And I must say the care I got at the hospital in Kirkcaldy, Scotland, was amazing. There was so much compassion and care. The doctor came and spoke to me and explained what would be happening after offering her condolences, introduced me to the anaesthetist who told me what he would do. So I felt safe and cared for. I also signed a consent form for the treatment, acknowledging that I understood the procedure and had been properly informed. The procedure went smoothly and the aftercare was great. The doctor visited me again to tell me how things had gone and what to expect and we asked questions and then I went home to heal. I had not yet met my midwife, the one connected to my GP surgery, but when she heard the news, she made a trip to come and visit me, to talk to me and make sure I was coping okay. She was so kind and motherly and as my own mother was hundreds of kilometres away, it was so nice to have that care. I remember she gave me a big hug and she also sent us a card with some kind and comforting words. So although the experience was painful, the care and compassion I got from the medical caregivers, apart from the first doctor, was excellent. I felt seen and nurtured, something that every woman needs at this difficult time. So when I felt pregnant again after waiting a few months before trying again, we didn't tell anyone this time. I was not only suffering from morning sickness, but I was also very afraid. I detected some spotting again around 10 weeks and I was terrified. I called my GP and he reacted swiftly, sent us for an ultrasound. You can imagine how we held our breaths. But this time, there was our little one and his heart was beating strongly. You can imagine the joy and relief we felt. We had another ultrasound at 12 weeks and again, I had that anxiety. Would there be a heartbeat? And he was fine. And as you know, all went well and culminated in a beautiful home birth. 
that was so healing. Fast forward to 2009, and we had now moved back to Norway and decided to have another baby. Again, I conceived relatively quickly, and we were excited, but my joy was tempered with anxiety. What if it happened again? And around 10 weeks, again, I had spotting, dark red blood. I thought, oh no, here we go again. This time, the process did not go so smoothly. My doctor was not so understanding and chose to insensitively tell me that as I was an older mother, I was 40, chances of miscarriage were higher. It was such a difference from the treatment I'd received in Scotland. Basically, I had to argue with him and insist he refer me for an ultrasound. He expected me to wait and see, and I refused. I'd been through this before. He grudgingly referred me, and when I went to the hospital this time, I was alone because it was during the time of the swine flu epidemic. So the maternity hospital was strict about who could come in. The doctor was not particularly warm, more matter of fact. And this time, instead of using the ultrasound on my stomach, she used a probe, which she pushed into my vagina. I was not expecting this. So not only was I stressed, worried and alone, but I had to lie there, enduring an invasive and extremely uncomfortable examination. As I watched the screen, my heart sank. Silence. No heartbeat. Again. I couldn't believe this was happening to me again. She was sympathetic, but matter of fact. I went home feeling wretched. When the time came for me to go to hospital for the procedure to clean me out, I was alone again. In Scotland, my husband had been with me when I was wheeled out to theatre and had been there when I came out again. This time, he had to drop me in the car park. I was then made to sit waiting in some cold corridor for quite a while. I'd been there at 8 a.m. in the morning. After a while, a nurse came to get me. She was nice enough. I was popped into a bed and lay there reading my book, waiting for at least an hour. This time, I never got to meet my doctor. The nurse got me ready for surgery. Then I was wheeled to theatre. The anaesthetist spoke to me a bit as he set me up. And then the next time I woke up, it was all over. The nurse checked on me and brought me food. No doctor came to see me. Then I was discharged and told to contact my GP if I noticed anything unusual. What a world of difference in treatment. They did nothing wrong and I got good care, but there was no warmth and no compassion. For any woman going through this, it's important to feel seen and not just be treated like yet another body going through a factory of healing. Inwardly, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going back there if I can help it. This brings me back to the care that we deserve and that we should be given and begin to demand as women. Whether it's when you're giving birth or whether it's when you're dealing with loss, the care we receive should be humane, should not be just, oh, I'm doing my job, but should always be with compassion. Maybe we need to rethink the training given to our medical personnel and that one of their exams should be on how to deal with people in their care with kindness and compassion. It doesn't cost them much but it makes a big difference to their patients and may result in better outcomes. My next pregnancy went okay, although I had the same spotting again, but like with our son, our daughter was alive and well. So I don't know why those two pregnancies ended in miscarriage. I'll never know, and I'll just have to accept that for some reason, those two babies were not meant to come into the world. After my first miscarriage, I read a lot, but that didn't give any answers. Having had a miscarriage the first time, did not make it easier the second time. It was an especially lonely experience. But this time we had a young child who needed my care and attention 
so that helped me to cope and not get caught up in my grief. So two very different experiences in two different contexts. I experienced loss early in pregnancy, and this is relatively common, but one can also experience loss later on, although this is much rarer, and it's even more difficult to handle. So it's important that women who experience loss have good care, have access to counselling and support. It's important that you or your partner, who is also grieving, seek for this help and make sure that you both get the chance to be able to share and to grieve. It is loss, whether it happens at eight weeks or at 38 weeks. It does not make the grief any less, and we should respect that. We should not expect women to get over it and say, well, it wasn't really a baby anyway, because for many of us, once the egg and the sperm fuse, life is created. We celebrate that creation of life, and when it ends prematurely, we grieve. So let's show compassion, kindness to those who have lost their little ones during pregnancy, and take the time to listen and not try to rationalize or dismiss. Just listen and be there. That's all we really need, because in most cases, we know there are no answers, and we just have to believe that the next time, all will be okay. But it doesn't mean that we ever forget those little ones we never got to hold in our arms. In this episode, I focused on miscarriage early in pregnancy because that is my experience and what I can reflect on. But just as I said, stillbirth is another reality in women's lives. Although it's not as common, it does happen. So it's important to listen to your body throughout your pregnancy, to be in touch and aware when you feel that something is not quite right. Make sure that your caregivers listen to you. If, for example, you haven't felt your baby moving for some time, it's important to get it checked as quickly as possible. You can only be aware of how often your baby moves if you remain in touch with your body and trust your instincts. You start feeling your baby's movements from about 14 to 16 weeks. It varies from woman to woman. It starts with a fluttering sensation in your belly in the early stages, which then gradually progresses to the distinct movement and kicks that are easy to identify. You'll notice a rhythm to your baby's activity. Sometimes they're more lively than other times. And when you notice a change, just be aware. And if you feel Mm, there's something not quite right, get it checked out. Trust your instinct. There is no harm done if your baby is found to be well, but if something is in the process of going wrong, listening to your instincts and demanding action is important. It's your body and you know it best. But also remember that there are some things we have no control over. We do the best we can, but some outcomes are beyond our control. We tend to want to find someone or something to blame when we experience loss. But sometimes it just is. And we have to learn to grieve and then practice acceptance and heal. If you have experienced loss during pregnancy or birth, my heart goes out to you. I hope that you have received the support you need. And if not, and it's still weighing heavily on you, it's not too late. Find someone to talk to, be it a good friend or a professional. Someone who will meet you with compassion. You deserve that. I wish you comfort, love, and healing. My next episode will be about blessing the mother. I will talk about the mother blessing ceremony or ritual, a lovely alternative to baby showers. I hope you will join me. If you have found my podcast helpful, interesting, thought-provoking, or even challenging, please share. I would also appreciate any comments or reviews. 
My podcast is now on Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a review. I am always happy to hear what you think and to learn. Thank you for being here, for listening. This is Fungi Sai, reminding you to reclaim your power.